Welcome back to another episode of the Colin Cernelia Podcast on the Talent 409 Network. This podcast brought to you by Sweat With Stods. It is now officially fall. A new season, new opportunities. Fall is short-lived. Winter will be coming for a lot of us sooner rather than later. The bad weather. You want to figure out a routine now before you have to deal with all the snow and the slush and the bad weather. Get started here in the fall with Sweat with Stads. Sweat with Stads offers a hit-at-home program in the form of a downloadable PDF that includes 30 days of expertly designed workouts. The format is five 30-minute workouts per week with no equipment necessary. The Sweat with Stads hit-at-home program usually costs $30, but you, my listeners, you can get it for only $20 using the code CCP. That's right. For listening to this podcast, you get the hit-at-home program for a $10 discount using the discount code CCP at checkout. Visit www.sweatwithstods.com. Make my wife happy. Go buy the program. Commit to yourself and see what you can accomplish with $20 in 30 days. Today's guest on the podcast, very special guest, very special friend, former roommate, second family member, Jess Wood. Jess is the owner of Jess Wood Wellness back in Syracuse, New York, my hometown, where a lot of my friends and family are in the Northeast. She is really great, has a lot of great experience through her training, personal training, different things that she does with adults and kids now. She is also a super awesome mom wife, daughter, you name it. Really excited to have her on. So sit back, relax, enjoy the pod. Hello everybody, today I have a very special guest, Jess Wood, who was a roommate of mine, is a really great friend of mine, coming on, talking about all things leadership, her business, some other topics today. Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for taking some time. I know you just had the little one go off to school for the first time uh, this week, and it's a it's an exciting time. You're transitioning into a different house. I feel like you're super mom. Oh well, then I think it really well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's uh, it's a fun time. It's a, a lot's going on. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna look back on it and be like, wow, that just that just all flew by. And look at me, I'm giving you the advice, and you're the mom. So hey, you're doing big things too. <laughs> Trying to, but yeah, I wanted to you know bring you on today. I, I obviously just mentioned in the quick intro there. You have a lot going on, a lot of really cool things that I think the the listeners can learn from, not only from your business, but just the way that you know you go about things in your daily life and, and what you've learned from your sports journey, growing up playing soccer all the way through college and things along those lines. So I want to just start here, give you an opportunity to walk us through that experience, what it was like to play sports growing up, what are some of the things that you learned, and just wrap it up into how you got to, to where you are right now. Yeah, so I think my definite draw to the career that I chose was started through sports and through soccer. And just kind of going through personal training and my group fitness that I did when I was a kid preparing for my sports. And I turned that into a career path, which I think is the best thing for me, at least, because your typical nine to five at a desk 
is not for me. I tried doing it for a couple months and quickly realized that I wanted back into the fitness world. And some of it comes from the sport of soccer itself, but I think most of it just comes from the lessons and the experiences that I had with soccer. Yeah, I think I did pretty much the same thing as you where and I, I want to say it's attributed to some of the pressure we get from not just people that are close to us and that love us and, and want to see us succeed, but just how society is in a whole. And it, it almost is like if you're not sitting behind a desk and you're not working a traditional nine to five, you kind of get looked at differently and, and people talk about you differently. And they're like, how do you, how do you make a living? What do you, what do you do? How do you make any money? And it's not like that. You know, it's, it's, we've both been able to do different things, whether it's working uh, in a gym for you. We both worked in restaurants. We're pretty successful there and everything. And I think, I think it's just really interesting how people look at individuals so differently if they're not working that traditional nine to five. Although we live in a world where things are changing so rapidly that I feel like it, it shouldn't be like that. Many people don't understand it. And then as you explain it to them, they realize like, oh, geez, you work more than I do working a nine to five. Because I'll try to explain to them, like, yeah, my day, some days I have clients at 7 a.m. And then, you know, I'll be finishing up a class at 7 p.m. And I have these weird gaps in the middle. And, you know, they think, like, oh, during those weird gaps, she just, you know, puts her feet up, takes a nap. That's the life. Right. You know, I'm jumping on a podcast, thinking about marketing for another class, uh, you know, programming for those sessions and those classes. So, there's a lot more, I think, behind the scenes than people realize sometimes. Um, but luckily, I really love doing it. So, you know, so cool. if you do something you love, you never like to do in your life. It definitely still works, but it's at least more enjoyable than doing something for somebody else that, you know, you're doing it because they say so, not because you have a passion. Now, when you decided that you were going to get away from the traditional nine to five forever. And you went into personal training, you had been doing it, you decided eventually to, to start your own business. Were there certain you know, mile markers per se that came up along that path that said, you know, hey, this is, this is the right journey for me. Like I'm doing the right things. Obviously you're passionate about your work and that's, that's a huge part of it. But were there other things, you know, especially now having a family being able to spend more time with them that said, you know, hey, this is a decision that really makes sense for me, for my family, and screw it if anybody thinks that, you know, it's not the right thing. Yeah. So going back to even before I had a family, you know, kids, I was dating my husband at the time, and the gym that I was working for was closing down. It was a smaller little, like, at the gym. And I thought, you know what, let's go try this corporate world. So, like I said, I lasted about three months there, and then ended up finding another gym to go to. I there for about six years. And that last year that I was there was the first year that I had my oldest son. And but there was flexibility, even working for somebody else. There was flexibility for us to kind of set our own hours. But I felt like I was working nonstop. For not enough. So although they appreciated us as employees and such, just the compensation didn't seem like I'm putting in so much time, so much effort, but I'm getting enough out of it to be losing time with my family. So, you know, I of course and quit. I started making a game plan. 
how I could transition doing what I'm doing like and I love doing into my own business rather than a hobby or doing this on the side. Looking into all of you know, the legal stuff, establishing an LLC and all of that fun stuff. And found a way to really less hours training everybody and more hours uh, excuse me, less hours training everybody and earning more in the long run. To establish like my own structure for payments and compensation and things like that. So, really, as my family started to take shape, it became more about working harder, working smarter, and not harder. So, kind of just taking the best use of my time. Yeah, and you know you mentioned it obviously it's not it's not like that you weren't working hard in in your careers before that but it it wasn't not only probably didn't it feel like it was enough monetarily but it just didn't feel like it was enough uh fulfilling wise and in doing things that you were passionate about and i i feel like that's a direction that a lot of us end up in we end up in a in a role or in a job where things just aren't clicking for whatever reason. And then we're trying to figure out, do I go off and do something on my own? Or do I switch the industry as a whole? Looking back on how you got to where you are now, I mean, if you could just pick out like one piece of advice or one or two pieces of advice that you could give to somebody who may be stuck in a, in a situation right now where they think they can't get out, what, what would you say to them? I would say my biggest piece of advice is don't ruin your opportunity before you even start. So don't tell yourself that you shouldn't do it or you can't do it. But I also think setting yourself up for success. I think if you had a bad day at work, you'll walk in the next day and quit. Writing down those notes and those ideas and develop those. And then when it's a good time forward for you, you can make that leap having more structure behind you. So... By the time I stopped working for another company and started my own training business, I would say that was probably like a six-month span of like planning and preparing and then putting my proper notice with that company. And I think that there were times that I definitely said, I'm absolutely crazy. Why would I do this? I have a guaranteed paycheck and I'm leaving for hopefully something that's going to work out. But if you can put your personality and your heart and soul into something, I think that's what makes the difference. And I've seen a better reaction from my clients to my training through my own business. More of my personality can come out. And even in in instances where there might have been like a rule or regulation that my gym made me follow and I can be a little bit more lenient as far as, you know, structure or just the sessions, things like that. I've had more flexibility working on my own, and I feel like that really relates well with my body. Take us back to your sports career, the soccer field, and talk to me about maybe two to three values that you learned that you try to incorporate either into your work or into your daily life now. One of the biggest things that I try to do through my business is make everybody feel comfortable. And where I can kind of relate that back to soccer was I had a friend in JV soccer with me, and she had 
She did really well, but she had a little bit more struggle. Like if we would go after a long run, she might have been usually towards the back more often. And I would finish my run with my team and then circle back and, you know, catch her wherever she was at and finish the run with her. And I just really remember, like, how I felt helping her feel more comfortable. And even though that was back when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I feel like it, that really sparked something for me. Like, I enjoyed making you feel better about that fitness moment. You know, for mm -hmm. her, it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so far behind everybody. I just want to stop. I'm just going to quit this team. And she said that later on, like, having me circle back and just kind of be there to jog with her and support her really helped her. And I guess looking back, that might have been part of, like, the planted seed that made me go, oh, I really like that feeling. I like helping people. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Making I've, ne I've never really heard anybody put it quite that way where you say you're, you're making someone comfortable, but that's you know, almost, it's in a way, obviously making them feel like they're part of a team, making them feel like they're a part of a community and, and integrating somebody into the bigger picture is, you know, I think obviously as, as a leader is what you can do to enhance the performance of your team. Because if you have people that are struggling or you have people that are falling behind for whatever reason, then as a team, you know, you're probably not going to be as strong. So I, I, that's really cool that, you know, even when you were, like you said, younger, seventh, eighth grade, you realized and you had the instinct to go back, help her. And my guess is that even, even if it didn't result in anything immediate for her on the soccer field or in her sports career, I'm sure that she remembers that and it helped her maybe in other parts of her life and, and has been something that, you know, even maybe you've talked about before and, and just developed a friendship and, and things like that. And, and that's really cool and important to me to see that you can not just let the competition take over because you could have just been like, man, I'm going to you know finish at the front and, and whoever finishes last, like, you know, let it be and, and whatever. But you said, no, I, I want everybody to finish. I want everybody to feel included. And, and that's really great. Yeah, I think a lot of that, too, is I definitely don't have a super competitive edge. And that's probably why I wasn't the best soccer player or, you know, getting the most minutes on the field, especially in college. Um, but I think like what I got out of sports was more the social interaction, learning that leadership role. And even though I was definitely never described as the all-star, I made a presence or I tried to have a presence on the team, whether I was the rah-rah girl who made posters to hang at the field or tried to get team dinners together, things like that. I really valued the camaraderie, the family feel. And so I think I definitely try to take that into my business and create that as well. Because I know that's the part I enjoy more than worrying. I mean, obviously, we all like to win the games and see the trophies and the titles and things. It's definitely fun. But those don't carry through to adulthood as much as these background things do. Yeah, and I've long been a proponent that you don't have to be the best athlete on the field to be a leader. And I think you just really made a, a, an interesting addition to that. Not only do you not have to be the best athlete on the field, but you also don't have to be the most competitive person on the field and you can still find places for success. I guess 
what I'm curious about is to know, do you still have that type of mindset in your business now? And, and if so, what's, well, I'll, I'll let you explain it, I guess, and then I'll follow up. Okay. Um, I would say I definitely still take a value or, or kind of my mission statement, if you will, is to get better than you were. So you don't have to worry about being the best. And that's actually a line I say to my CrossFit kids all the time. Um, Because a lot of my business has gone from, I do train adults and such, but a lot has shifted to um, kids and CrossFit kids. And one of the biggest things I say to them when we pick our CrossFit kid of the month or when we're introducing a new kid to the class is that I am not at all concerned with you being the best every time you come in here, but giving your best. So if they come in there and they see somebody move faster than them or lift something heavier than them, I try to really teach them and and give them the lesson that you don't have to be the best or do the best to still get something out of it. So a lot of times the kids that end up earning CrossFit Kid of the Month at the end of the month kind of looked at me shocked like, me? Really? Me? Because that person's faster or that person's stronger. But when we talk about, before I announce the name, we'll talk about what makes you successful and what qualities do I look for when I'm picking a CrossFit kid and, you know, I'll pick on different kids in the room to give me an idea and things that they're always throwing out is being helpful around the gym like pick up something if you see it laying around, be supportive to your other classmates if you finish before them, you're there cheering them on until they finish and things like that and I think if I can have them leave learning those lessons versus worrying about what weight they lifted that day. That's when I feel like I've done my job. And I think that sometimes people forget that in the adult world. They think, oh, we don't need that in that care. But realistically, we do. We're just a bunch of little kids, too. We're just bigger little kids. Yeah, I took a workshop recently, actually, back in Syracuse before I moved down to Charlotte, and we were, I don't even remember what the specific topic was, but we were going over things that, we liked as kids. And it was amazing to me how many things that I appreciated as a kid and that I got excited for as a kid that still excited me to this day. I just don't get to experience them, I guess, in, in the same way. But like you said, I think I'm I'm pretty uh, you know, laid back. And I mean, I'm not a child in, in the way that I act or anything like that. But I, I try to have fun in, in life and, and everything. But it was just amazing to me to be like, wow, like, for example, there was this bag of bouncy balls. (laughs) And there was, it was a bag of bouncy balls and it was a bunch of like girls bracelets in one bag. And I had to choose like amongst all these other bags that had all these other cool things in there. And I saw the balls and that's all I wanted to get. I didn't care that it came with the the bracelets because I wanted to play with the ball because I was like a six-year-old kid (laughs) again, even though I'm almost 30. And I was like, no, I just want the ball and and everything. So it's just really cool that, you know, you've been able to make that distinction and and really help, you know, the kids understand, but also even some of the adults that you work with and and try to remind them that, uh, you know, not to, I guess, take things too seriously and just relax. And and there's more to, to the journey than, you know, numbers or the amount of weight that you've lifted and things like that. Yeah, when you just said not taking things too seriously, that really is huge. Because if you take it too seriously and 
you are so focused on those numbers and reaching specific goals, you leave feeling more disappointed than you do feeling more fulfilled. And of course you want goals and I have my clients set goals and we set short term and long term, but you have to, you have to really celebrate those victories in between too. So even if you didn't reach the goal you had originally set for yourself, you're still making progress that day. You still learned something. You still got better in some way. And the whole having fun part with it, one of my favorite things to do is when we're teaching an adult class, um, I take one of our CrossFit Kids games that we do, and I use that as their warm-up for the class. And if you want to see a bunch of grown people in, like, the best five minutes of their day, <laughs> give them a dodgeball. Or, you know, give them some jump ropes and, you know, play a game of capture the flag and they run around more than they ever would if you had them lined up on the lines for school. It's really fun to take the values that CrossFit gets to and kind of turn everybody's training back into that fun. It doesn't have to be a chore. It can be, it can be enjoyable. That's awesome. I, I would love to come to a class and get the opportunity to play dodgeball. I, I feel like I haven't played since sixth grade, maybe. And I think just having even that five minutes, like even if you're there, lift heavy that day and really work hard, just have five minutes to decompress. You know, say that you just come from a really stressful day at work. You can bring that stress into the gym. And some people do really well to say, okay, I'm going to take that stress and I'm going to lift this heavy weight. But for me personally, that stress weighs me down even more. If I'm really stressed, I need to loosen up before I go over to that barbell. And I, I find that if you just make it fun and interesting or even just stopping to ask people how their day was can make such a difference in how they end up doing in their workout. Very cool. Can you tell us a little bit about your goal setting process? You alluded to it uh, just a couple minutes ago. I'm just curious as to how you go about setting goals and, and what that, I guess what that actually means to you, because setting goals, I think means different things to different people. Absolutely. What you just said, setting goals means different things to different people. I usually ask people in kind of like a free first session questionnaire, what are your goals short term as in what are you looking to do within six months long term? What are you looking to do in over a year? And often as I get to know them more through the first month of training, I see that those goals that they thought they wanted might actually shift a little bit. So I always do have people come up with their own goals and I try not to steer them in any one direction. And then throughout their journey, we kind of adapt those goals a little bit. So people that might have been primarily concerned with a weight number that they were looking to reach, like their body weight, they think that they want to be 130 pounds and realistically they can be 150 and feel the best they've ever felt and kind of start to teach them that numbers aren't everything as long as we're healthy we're happy and so on that we really can already be meeting our goals without even realizing that we were and each person is very different so even if somebody has one or two people have a weight goal in mind or a body fat percentage that they want to get to the structure to get them there could be completely different. Some people might need, a, need that more gentle approach. Some people might need that, you know, sort of moving each time. So I really enjoy the difference in everybody. I think if everybody was the same, it'd be a really boring job. 
and you could just have one big group of fitness class all the time because everybody's the same. But that's not the case. And I think that's why personal training works so well for me is because I can tailor it to each person. I'm going to test you a little bit here. And yeah. <laughs> it's not too bad. So you talk about the, the goal process, you know, changing things as people go along the path, getting towards the ultimate big goal. And then earlier you were talking about celebrating the, the small wins, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that obviously all correlates to, to the grind and what it takes to actually have a, a true transformation. In your case, a lot of people, it's health and fitness related versus, you know, something else. So I'm wondering if there was a time where you were working with a client and, you know, you had, you had everything mapped out and for whatever reason, it just didn't work. And if that was the case, what you learned from that and how you've been able to change your approach? Because I feel like you've probably learned as much from your clients as they've learned from you over the years. And, and I think this could probably be a really great example of that. I definitely haven't learned as much from them as they have learned from me. Sometimes we joke that the training sessions are also coupled with therapy sessions. <laughs> and they might vent to me about all of these things going on, like at their child's or, you know, I broke down and now they have to go through that process to get a new one. You know, I've been through a client who was building a house. Now I'm building a house. So, you know, three years ago she was ideas off of me and now I'm like, hey, so we definitely learn from each other and and we develop these like real true friendships as well, which I think helps connect and keep them willing to work hard because if they don't like you, they're not going to work hard for you. If they like you and respect you, even if they don't like what you're telling them to do, they still want to work hard for you and make me happy. And even though it's not all about making me happy, we want them to see their results as well. I think they keep, they keep them wanting to try really hard for you. And going back to somebody that it just, you know, when you think you have it all figured out and it just didn't work, that's definitely happening. So one person in particular that I'm thinking of, there was a lot of underlying um, medical things going on that really we couldn't have known, even with a full blood panel, full lab, everything, her doctors gave her the clear to work out. She had been fine for years. We, you know, we were seeing success, and all of a sudden we hit that plateau. Um, and so we really amped up the training. We had her doing a little bit more cardio, definitely more of like a hit style training. And then she started seeing the results really well again. But she was having some other medical things. So we said, let's get you to the doctor. Let's talk about those medical things that are going up. And one of the things that they wanted to do was kind of cut back her training a little bit. And they wanted her to keep her weight at a more consistent of where it was or even gain a little bit and she was like oh my gosh but I've been driving to the certain goal for so long so even though our goal together had been you know scenario A and her doctor was saying actually medically I want you in scenario B we shifted to B and we made it a positive so if her overall original goal was weight loss, a certain body fat percentage, and, you know, just a certain feeling that she had about herself to feel more confident, 
now we shifted over to B and we realized that yes, a certain body weight percentage, a certain weight are great, but you can still feel great about yourself over here. And if the doctors are telling us that overall this is where you're more healthy, isn't that what we're most interested in in the long run? So we really completely, I wouldn't say completely actually, we halfway shifted over to those doctors, not orders, but those doctors' suggestions. And some of the stuff, they were perfectly fine with us keeping the same, but we fixed a few of the things. And it was really more of a mental transition at that point. Like she had to mentally accept that this is the new normal. This is what I can still do great things. Great. Well, th- thank you for sharing that. Yeah. A couple things I want to cover real quick uh, before we let you go. I know you have some kids to take care of, including Ron. <laughs> Shout out to Ron. So. <laughs> I want to know about influencers in your life, whether they came when you were a child, whether they're uh, still around now, who are some of the people that helped shape you even before you learned about, you know, what leadership is and, and how to run your own business and how to be a mom and how to be a wife and all those things. So many for the mom and wife category, kind of sticking to the business side of it. Um, two that definitely come into mind are my trainer, Josh, when I was in high school and my coach in college. So my trainer, he just really created this environment that we wanted to be at. So even if there was other school events that were going on, and this was my junior and senior year when I trained with him in, in high school, and I knew that I wanted to be prepping for college. So it was a strength and conditioning program. And I ended up writing a lot about him and my experience with him in my college essay. So just kind of the lessons I learned through showing up at that gym three times a week for, I think it was like a two-hour training session three times a week, and the things that I learned through him. Although I wasn't necessarily thinking in the business mind, it was definitely starting to show me the importance of showing up on time, putting in a solid effort once I'm there. He was not somebody that was going to let you get away with going through the motions when you showed up. You know, you showed up for a reason, let's work hard now that you're here. But he also kept it light and fun and a very happy environment to be in. And I thought that was really important, especially as we had male athletes and female athletes working out together. It, it just really created this whole nice group scenario and, and really strengthened us and sent us off to college in a good spot so that my college coach didn't have to teach me those values of what it means to be, you know, important reasons to be on time and working hard. He helped instill those in me before I even got to her. And... Then when I got to college, I guess I didn't even realize how much of an influence she had on us until I got out of college. And I talked to other people, and they liked their college coaches, but Joan to us was on a whole other level. Like, she was such an influence on all of us that I don't even know if I can, like, explain it so much right now. Um <laughs> She obviously instilled those lessons of, you know, time management and importance of being there for your team and stuff. But 
I mean, I think it goes back to something as simple as the 24-hour drinking rule. I mean, you're in college. Some of us were 21. Some of us were not. And you would think, like, oh, yeah, that's a rule that not many people follow. I really feel like my team, we respected our coach that we didn't mess around with that rule. Like, we had seniors on the team who were 21 years old, but that was the rule, and they followed it. So their leadership kind of showed us underclassmen that, like, okay, this is – this is how it goes, and this is how we're going to be successful. And it, I don't know, it just kind of set you up to think that following protocols and following rules and all, they all have a purpose. You know, it's not, someone isn't setting a rule just because they can. It has a purpose, and there's reason behind it, and it will help you be successful. Awesome. It really doesn't. That really doesn't help me encompass too much of like why she really inspired me and led me to the direction I am. It's hard to kind of even put into words, but that's the taste of it, I guess. Well, that, I mean, that just, I guess, goes to prove how powerful that connection was and in, in everything that you learned. I mean, if, <laughs> if sometimes when it, when it's hard to put things into words, that's, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> Great. Uh, so I want to give you an opportunity here uh, just to talk a little bit more about your business, uh, Jesswood Wellness, and tell us about you know what type of things you do, where people can find you, any special projects or events that you have coming up. Well, like you said, my business is Jesswood Wellness, and then I also work alongside Chad at Camilla's CrossFit, and I run the whole kids CrossFit program there. And there aren't too many kids' CrossFit classes in the Syracuse area. So I really have gotten to meet kids from all over Syracuse. Even though we're at Camilla's CrossFit, I travel to schools and I do after-school programs. Um, this next coming year, I want to dive more into getting uh, daycares and preschools and things like that to focus on those younger preschool-age kids because CrossFit Kids does have a preschool program as well i have just stuck more to the five to 12 age range um we recently did just branch out into our teens program which i had done in the past and then stopped for a while to focus on the kids age age group um but we have our teens class back now and i am actually believe it or not going for my kids yoga training Ooh. Uh, and although i don't see myself as a total yogi I think that it just the whole mind, body, and overall wellness on top of the increased flexibility and mobility that yoga helps provide. I think it's going to be such a great addition to working with the kids. I think my favorite thing with the kids is just seeing them blossom from these shy kids that walk in the door on day one to, you know, a month later walking in like they own the place. And I mean that as a good thing. You know, they walk in with all the confidence in the world, like they're ready to get going, they're ready to get started. And I just think if, if that's the environment that I'm creating, I've done something right because that's what I love so much about my program with Josh in high school is that we walked in there and we felt like, yeah, this is our gym. This is where we come. This is where we get stuff done. And this is where we prepare for the rest of life out there. I, like, I'm the same way. I don't think that's a bad thing that they kind of feel ownership uh, yeah. about about everything. I remember reading a book about the former VP of uh, people operations at Google, and he would talk about the best way to make a good culture, I guess, 
within a business is to make it so that your employees feel like they have ownership of the company, even though they're obviously not everybody's an owner. And it's the same way with you. I mean, those kids come in, they're, they're not running the show. They're, they're not running the, the programs or setting them up or anything, but they come in feeling that, that ownership and feel like that they, they are a part of everything that you're putting together. And that's really an empowering feeling that I'm sure relates to just them putting in their best effort. Yeah. And I think really, I have to step back and remember without them, I don't have a show. Mm-hmm. So in a way, they really do run it because if they don't, if they don't show up, I'm just sitting there working out by myself. <laughs> so they do, I guess, run it now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they wouldn't. I mean, it's, it is definitely one of those, what came first, the chicken or the egg, because you know, may, they can they can do it now, but would they have been able to do it without you? I, yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> that's all really exciting. And what we'll do, we do this with all our guests in the show notes. We're going to put any type of contact information that you want to provide or any links uh, to any of your programs or your website that you want to provide. So uh, for any of the listeners, if you want to get in touch with Jess, especially if you're in the Syracuse area or if you have family in the Syracuse area that can can, you know, get in touch with Jess that way. We will do that for you. But uh, this has been great. I, I really appreciate you coming on board and spending some time talking. This has been one of my favorite ones so far. I was really excited to get this recorded and uh, get it out to everybody. So thank you so much for the time, Jess. Thank you, too. And if anybody is not local to Syracuse, but they want help finding kids programs or things like that in their area, Feel free to reach out too. I can help connect you to the right people. Yeah, great note. We will uh, we'll put that in the show notes as well. So thanks, Jess. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Colin. Thanks to Jess Wood for hopping on the podcast. Thanks to you, the listeners, for listening to the pod. And thanks to our sponsor, Sweat With Studs, for offering the Hit At Home program. $10 discount code at checkout. Go to www.sweatwithstods.com. Put in the discount code CCP. Get $10 off, normally a $30 program. You can get it for $20. Get fit, get going right for the fall. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Take it easy.